listening to the Street Center Podcast. And welcome in, folks, to another edition of the Street Center Podcast. I am your host, Noah Taluki, and joining me uh, for the last few weeks has been Brendan Kantz, freshman. He's back now. Uh, talking some OAC <laughs> Swim Championship preview as well, as that will happen at the Ocasek Natatorium at the University of Akron this week, as it always is. And we'll have Aiden O'Neill and Maddie Panis, both members of those swimming teams, on the podcast later to talk about their season and the OAC championships this weekend. Brendan, a lot of exciting things happening this weekend at John Care. We got basketball, yeah. men's and women's, uh, you know, closing out their regular seasons before the OAC tournament. We have a big record win- a record setter in Alex Phillip. I mean, how many yeah. records does this guy set? He yeah. seems he seems to be setting records every single weekend <laughs> uh, in a couple others other sports uh, to mention as well. But uh, thanks again, Brendan, for joining us as yeah. always, and uh, pretty excited. Yeah, definitely super excited. Just to. Another amazing weekend for Blue Streaks all around, and be excited to talk about it. And, you know, this doesn't include one of our sports teams here at John Carroll, but I do want to give a shout-out to Jalen Myrick, who uh, is a scout for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they, of course, beat the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35. to Same exact score as when the Eagles defeated my Lions back in Week 1. It's just a side <laughs> note there. However, the... Uh, he's the oh, he's the twelfth blue streak now to win multiple Super Bowl rings. He was a scouting intern with the Chiefs when they won Super Bowl Fifty Four back in twenty twenty, and now getting his second ring with Kansas City. So there's been twelve guys that have gotten multiple Super Bowl rings and more guys that have just gotten at least one ring. So uh, pretty impressive there when you think yeah. about that. Uh, double digit guys uh, <laughs> that 100%. have uh, multiple Super Bowls. Yeah. And especially the school like John Carroll, I mean, just a small D3 school with just remarkable, the, just the connection with the NFL, but not only just having that connection, but having a connection to consistently winning. I mean, having double-digit guys with multiple Super Bowls is just kind of unheard of for a small D3 school like John Carroll, but that just continues to show the tradition of football here. And, and not only, I mean, in the Super Bowl, well-represented from John Carroll, but really across the OAC yeah. as well. I mean, of course, Nick Sirianni, the head coach, at uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles is a Mount Union graduate. He also coached there in the mid two thousands. You have Jonathan Gannon, the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles defensive coordinator, who was a Saint Ignatius grad as well. Of course, very, a lot of uh, t- close ties to John Carroll uh, at yeah. Saint Ignatius. And he just uh, he just got hired by the Cardinals, today. and I believe that okay head coach. So he is now the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals, as Brendan pointed out. And then I do I do want to give a shout out to some of the other guys that were in the Super Bowl. Uh, Jared Kilburn, class of 2014, he is a scout for the Eagles, and Dave Caldwell, former general manager for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's a personnel executive for the Eagles as well. And then Joe Casper, who coached one year at John Carroll in 2017, he's a Baldwin Wallace alum, I believe, mm-hmm. class of 2011. So that's three OAC schools yeah, wow. represented <laughs> in the Super Bowl this weekend. Uh, quite quite the show, and uh, it was it was quite the game. Uh, that that is for sure. Over in the desert. Yeah. Of Glendale, Arizona. But we're going to travel up back to Ada, Ohio, of course, up in uh, the Midwest section of the United States, where John Carroll was this weekend. Doubleheader with men's and women's basketball. And men's basketball escaping Ada with a 95-89 yeah. to overtime victory mm-hmm. over the Polar Bears. How about that? 
and some people might think that that was kind of surprising how close it was against Ohio Northern. And this is this is an ON this is a very down ONU team this year, nine and fourteen overall, five and eleven in OAC play. Probably will not make the OAC tournament since they'll be out of the top six. But anytime the Blue Streaks go to Ada, that tough mm-hmm. two and a half, three hour drive, it always makes for a good game. And I mean, John Carroll really pulled through in the end, and and really they had they had to fend off C.J. Napier for ONU, who just could not miss. I mean, this guy had he's one of the best in the OAC. He had thirty four points on just sixteen shots. Yeah, that's... talk about efficiency for him. And then the Blue Streaks prevailing with six, and I counted six double double digit scores. Luke Chacon and Chase Toppin each with nineteen. Then Henry Rayner, Jerry Higgins with fourteen, fifteen for Luke Frazier, and twelve. For Jerry Higgins off the bench. Yeah, and I mean, like you were saying with efficiency, ONU shot 52% three in that game. Just lights out. And it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to win games when teams are just really shooting that lights out. But JCU just ends up stealing this one, which is huge um, in the large scheme of things. Is Winning out would secure um, home, home court advantage for the OAC and just huge. And it just goes to show the tenacity of this JCU team, even through adversity in this one down to, down to a, uh, tough ONU squad. I know you said they have a down year, but always just such a hard team to play, especially in Ada, um, which is so big for the streaks to pull that one out as they look um, to continue the momentum, extending their winning streak to 13. Um, they got two games left. Um, we'll see how that goes, but looking looking really good for the streaks right now. You talk about how well they shot from three uh, ONU did, Brendan, in you know, 10 of 19, but this is interesting here. So they were 8 of 11 in the first half. Second half, 1 of 4. Yeah. And then an overtime one and one of four, so they didn't really get as many three point looks in that second half. They were getting a lot more inside presence. Um, you know, I think Napier was was having a lot more uh, shots inside as well, which led to his thirty four points. Yeah. And you know, it's just the OAC is one of those basketball conferences where, I mean, it's definitely a power five. Not only just yeah. football conference, basketball mm-hmm. conference in general, in, in Division Three, and any win in the OAC, no matter where it is, on the road at home, is is a good win. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Wilmington the first time that the Blue Streaks played them. Blue Streaks only escaped with a sixty four sixty two win at home. Yeah, against a Wilmington team that is 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 right now the the second worst team in the OAC, seven and sixteen, three and thirteen overall. Yeah, so. It just that's just how OAC basketball works, and I don't think this is anything having to do with oh you know any question marks with the Blue Streaks right now, no, and no, no. you know they're not playing well, or why did they just come out with an overtime win? No, no, I don't I don't think that has anything to do with it, folks. In, in case anyone out there's a little worried about this, I am not worried about this Blue Streak team at all. But with that being said, they have to take care of business to lock up that number one seed with uh, two games on the road to close out the regular season. Mm-hmm. They have to go and play their crosstown rivals, Baldwin Wallace, in Berea. Yeah. That'll, That'll be this be Wednesday one. at 7 p.m. Remember that game earlier in the year when the Blue Streaks defeated the Yellow Jackets on January 18th, 96-91, a very close game at the Carlo Varsity Center in, in, in front of a, a really good crowd. And, and it, a Baldwin Wallace team that is really better than their record shows. Yeah. I mean, right this year, more of a 500 record, 11-12, and 7-9 in OAC play, but a team that can... that is definitely capable of playing much better than that. Uh, guys like um, Anthony Mazio yeah. uh, and Jackson Simmons and, and some of those other really, really good players that they have. 
as well. And then Wilmington on the road, another tough drive, kind of like it is to Ada. That'll be at 2 p.m. this Saturday mm-hmm. as well. But really looking forward to that. At least the Blue Streaks uh, should should lock up a at least a bye in the first round. So mm-hmm. they will either get the one or two seed. I believe that is guaranteed now since third place Heidelberg has an 11-5 and five record and there's only two games left yeah. to go. In OAC play, Mount Union still sitting at fourteen and two overall in the conference. Both boost the Blue Streaks and uh, Mount Union twenty one and two overall, and both top ten teams in yeah. the country. Something I saw earlier, by the way, uh, and, and look, I don't like looking too far ahead in the Division three playoffs, but but there are people out there on Twitter and whatnot that have mock drafts. They try to attempt to have mock drafts. Of uh, of OAC teams and it's interesting or of, of not of, not just OAC NCAA teams and it's interesting because Case Western is having a very very good year and of course UC Mount Union and John Carroll so you could potentially have a battle for who hosts mm-hmm. with those three because I believe there's only only two of those schools are, are going to host mm-hmm. so it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out and. You know, if the Blue Streaks end up playing Mount Union in the championship, and I know that's still a long, long ways away, but yeah. that I think that could determine who hosts in the NCAA yeah. tournament here mm-hmm. in, in Northeast Ohio. Three Northeast yeah. Ohio schools in the running for that. And just hunt, uh, just imagine that game, Noah. If, that, if it came down to that, <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the first time we played those guys, or the, or the second time we played them, but the first time we played them here, that was just insane scene at the Tony DiCarlo Varsity Center. I can't even imagine how that game would play out. Um, still have two more games to win, but um, if they win out, they'll, they'll uh, lock up that home field or that home court for the uh, OAC playoffs. So that is definitely a possibility down the road and just something that would really be the ultimate game um, for the OAC championship. So remember, this year this uh, format is changing. It's no longer the top eight that make it as the top six. So then one and two seeds would get a bye, and then the three seed would play the six seed, the four seed would play the five seed. If the playoffs started today, Heidelberg would be the three seed, and they would play host to Capital, who's seven and nine. Uh, but they have a they they have a tiebreaker with Bolden Wallace, both seven and nine, but Capital does have the tiebreaker over the Yellow Jackets right now. And then Marietta, four seed, would play host to Otterbein, a five seed. So it's possible that the Blue Streaks could see Heidelberg, Marietta again. They probably will mm-hmm. in the semifinals, like I mentioned, which is is probably locked up by now. At least they will get a bye yeah. into the semifinals, either the one or two seed. But this team, I just feel like they just keep getting better and better handling uh, the Otterbein team last week, as, as we talked about in last week's edition, uh, pretty handily. Uh, and then, you know, finding finding their way to, to beat uh, an aggressive ONU team on the road as well. Women's basketball finally getting into the win column as uh, they were on a tough three-game losing skid after a one-point loss to Otterbein and then uh, an- another loss to o- ONU on Saturday. But that ONU game, I mean, this is a top-10 ranked uh, polar bear team in women's basketball. And the Streaks had a fourth-quarter lead. Mm-hmm. For a second, I thought they were going to win this game. And then ONU just completely turned it on in the fourth quarter. They outscored the Blue Streaks 33-15 to yeah. in the final stanza of that game. But needless to say, even though even with the loss, these Blue Streaks played tough against, you know, like I said, a top-10 team in the country. And I was thinking, oh, man, if they could just get a little spark here yeah. of beating the one of the best teams in the country, 
what that would mean for the rest of the season, especially the last couple games, and a confidence booster going into next year. Definitely. But uh, I gotta say though, Ava Rincars yeah, she's... has been really, really turning it on as of late. She's now scored in double figures in her last five games, back to back games with 19 points against Heidelberg. By the way, they beat. The student prince is 55 to 50, and we'll get to that game in a minute. But against Heidelberg, she had 19 points and 14 rebounds. Yeah. Her first double-double of her career. She also knocked down five three-pointers. Yeah. She's had four or more three-pointers in each of the last four games. Yeah. Player that a player that I've mentioned before reminds me a lot of Nicole Heffington. Similar build, can shoot the three, can play down low, can really play anywhere. It's kind of you know, can kind of do it all. And that's really good. That, that's I think Rinkars is, is developing into a, into a player that can be a real cornerstone piece yeah. for the for this young team in the future. Definitely, and she just she just has everything. I mean, you, you see the rebound numbers, just such a presence in the paint. But also, every time she gets the ball around the perimeter, you hear the opposing coaches yelling, "Shoot her, shoot her, shoot her!" Because they know that she's the mm-hmm. biggest shooting threat. And just her last game, just a few games before, too, just absolutely knocked down from the three point line. Every time you see the ball in her hands from three, you know that that ball is going to go in the net. So just such a I mean, just stud is really the only way to um, characterize how Ava Rinkars has been playing, but she's just been awesome, and she'll continue to grow too, just a freshman, um, but she's just been so awesome for this Blue Streaks team. I think she'll definitely be an all-OAC candidate this year and and possible freshman of the year candidate, depending on how uh, the other teams shake out with some of their players as well. But we talked about that fourth quarter, the devastating fourth quarter that the Blue Streaks unfortunately had against the Polar Bears in terms of shooting numbers from that, drastically different. Ohio Northern, 10 of 13 from the field that quarter, 76%. Also 3 of 4 from downtown. A perfect 10 for 10 on free throws. The Blue Streak, 6 of 20 from the field. Just 2 of 10 from 3-point range, 1 of 3 yeah. from the free throw line. You could just tell that the, the the dramatic shooting differences in that game in the, in the fourth quarter against a very experienced mm-hmm. Ohio Northern uh, team that is for sure, and then the and then just kind of I mean I know the Blue Streaks won that game fifty five fifty over the Polar Bear or I'm sorry the the Student Princes of Heidelberg, but it, it just kind of felt a little bit like an ugly win for the Blue Streaks. Mm-hmm. I know I mean because this is a team they beat eighty four forty nine back on January fourth yeah. in Tiffin. This was of course uh, played on Monday night and it was a makeup game that was supposed to be played on February first. Uh, but they, due to some COVID nineteen protocols at Heidelberg, they they had to reschedule, and it did it did feel ugly. At least they got the win, but just some. I just thought there were some careless turnovers in that game. Yeah. I mean, the Blue Streaks had nineteen overall, and they just. I don't. I don't think they really shot that well either. Just thirty one percent. Yeah. Uh, but at least I mean they were able to get it going from three a little bit, especially with Rin cars. But I mean. It just kind of felt that Rincars was really carrying the team. That oh, yeah. was it. They didn't. Yeah. It didn't really seem like they had a lot of help, even though that two other players scored in double figures. No, for sure. I mean, we talked about our last last week. Just kind of one of the issues is getting off to a slow start, starting sloppy. I didn't immediately off the bat. I didn't really see that they went up. The streaks went off to a nine. I think they're up nine to two at one point within the first few minutes, and it looked like it was going to be a dominating game. But just then the careless turnover started adding up, and you saw Heidelberg get back in the game. And I think there are a lot of times um, at the end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter, um, where they didn't really need to push the tempo, but they did push the tempo, um, which that caused a lot of the careless turnovers, which um, ended up 
allowing Heidelberg to be in this game, they they took a lead into halftime, and you kind of just saw um, the difference of Heidelberg going into the locker room at half, just all fired up, and JCU kind of just with their heads down. Um, I mean, obviously, so important to get a win out of this. That's the biggest takeaway. Um, a win is a win, definitely for sure, um, in an OIC matchup like this, especially with the position JCU's in um, in the standings, just one spot out of the playoffs. Um, so obviously, that's the biggest takeaway, but I think it was um, a little bit concerning maybe is the word just to see um, how they played down to Heidelberg's level but like I said again the biggest takeaway a win is a win and they did that I think it's Heidelberg 0-16 winless in conference play this year 2-21 and overall uh, as well second year head coach Rachel Ferry uh, taking over a student princess program that hasn't had a winning season in about 15 years uh, as well but John Carroll in a three-way tie right now for fifth place, battling with Capital and Wilmington, each having a seven and nine record. Blue Streaks beat Capital during their second game against the Comets earlier this season. Of course, twelve and eleven overall, uh, going just above five hundred with the win over Heidelberg. Their next game against Baldwin Wallace at home on Wednesday, and uh, that's a, that's a BW team, twenty and three overall, thirteen and three in conference play. And a team that always has battled John Carroll throughout the last mm-hmm. couple of years, but I mean, it's I think it's just safe to say, like Baldwin Wallace, very different team now. John Carroll, very different team yeah. now. BW, you can just tell that they have some revenge on them. And I know they beat the Blue Streaks last year in the OEC tournament without a healthy Nicole Heffington, who didn't was not able to play that game. But just a team that really is is playing really good basketball, unselfish basketball yeah. as well. They've never really had that like one main score. It's kind of been. Like uh, scoring by committees, ONU is the same way yeah. uh, as well. So similar, similar styles, but I mean, what a a win over Baldwin Wallace at home! What that would mean for this yeah. Blue Streaks team? Just a little spark, just mm-hmm. to beat one of the best teams yeah. in the country, a nationally ranked BW team, and uh, you know nothing better to beat your crosstown rival yeah, as well. So um, we shall see how that game plays out, and then the final one, which will determine a lot. Probably will be that Wilmington game, of course, as I mentioned. Yep. They're both 7-9 and nine in conference play. That'll be at Wilmington, and that'll be a 2 p.m. tip-off this Saturday, February 18th as well. So the Blue Streak's just hanging on for dear life right now, trying to make the OAC tournament. But uh, a win or two would be really nice and boost their chances, yes. that is for sure. I want to move on to track now. And, and I, I just want to say... There is nothing that Alex Phillip just can't do. It yeah. seems like I mean this <laughs> this guy is just a a fun fun show to watch every single week when he runs. And I got to say going to ba- going to the David Henry Valentine Invitational at Boston University, which is a place where Alex Phillip has had uh, a history of breaking records. As he broke the DM- as he helped break the DMR record last year at Boston was there earlier this year as well. In what was one of the craziest days in Division Three running history, four records went down yeah. on Saturday across Division Three national records. Four. Alex Phillip broke the 5K record with a time of 1344.98 nationally. He was the third runner to break that record that day as two runners from Wisconsin Public Schools. I believe Whitewater and Lacrosse. They both broke the record earlier that afternoon at a meet in Wisconsin. 
This was a record that had not been broken since 1994 when a runner from North Central in Illinois outside Chicago broke it. And three, yeah. Alex was the third runner. Luckily, he was the last one. He Luckily, his is the record that yeah. still stands right now. Can you uh, can you imagine being that first runner to break that I was first say. time since 93, you said? Mm-hmm. Breaking that first time since 93, thinking, oh, man, I just broke the record for the first time in 30 years. And then two guys pass you up on the same day. Just remarkable. He's, he's, he's special. And I, I, I've, I've told people this before. He's... I, he's going to go down as the greatest runner in John Carroll history. I don't think there's any question about that. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy that can go down as one of the greatest runners in Division Three history. I mean, when you look at that, he has multiple national records now in the indoor. And, you know, I know he wanted to break four minutes in the mile. There Actually, that was one of the records that fell this weekend was a 355 mile set by an, a, a runner from MIT. And I know Alex, he, he was just so close a couple of weeks ago at Youngstown State to to breaking that record uh, in the mile, but uh, he could not eclipse four. But there was, uh, he's just he's just so special. And just to see his development over the years, I mean, a guy that doesn't, that played soccer in high school and just kind of ran meets for fun uh, for cross country and track. Mm-hmm. And then seeing his development with Alex or with uh, Kyle Basista, his head coach. And, you know, we've had him on the podcast before, very humble as well. Doesn't really gloat about his accomplishments. We'll be running at North Carolina division one school, of course, next year for his fifth year. It's just, it's, it's just a thing of beauty. I think yeah. just to see how mm-hmm. well and, and how well he's done. And, and, you know, he's, he's got a chance to become a two-time national champion mm-hmm. uh, this year in, in, in indoor as he was last year. And then, of course, you still have the outdoor season this spring. But uh, just a huge, huge congratulations uh, to Alex Phillip for for breaking that record. And just a, and uh, Erica Esper, uh, who also ran at Boston this weekend, she was there uh, watching Alex, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just said she, it's it was one of the greatest atmospheres she's ever seen. I mean, the yeah. place was packed. I mean, to see that for track, yeah, uh, is is, is really pretty awesome. is pretty cool to see. I think that's for sure. Uh, and and also one runner to not be forgotten in the in the whole craziness of the weekend was Caleb Correa, and he actually rebroke his 800 meter record, school record that he set uh, just last week. Uh, he ended up breaking that in Boston with a time of 151.53, and it's a full second better uh, than his PR was from last year as well. And uh, also some other runners from Boston, Ethan Dimitrovich, he uh, ran in the mile, and he came. Uh, he had a time of 4.18.54. And Tommy Naiman, he also ran the 3K in Boston. He had a time of 8.29 flat. And also, as we mentioned, Erica Esper, she also ran in Boston as well. But Brendan, uh, there's a couple. There's other runners yeah. <laughs> uh, and field uh, events that were at Baldwin Wallace and Spire. This yeah. weekend as well. So uh, some of the, the both both the men's and the women's were both at Baldwin Wallace and Spire. Um, at Baldwin Wallace for the men's side on Saturday, the dominance um, proved to be on the thro- from, from the throwers, which is something really awesome to see. The throwers don't get a ton of recognition from that sport, so it was really cool to see that. Um, in throwing, the Blue Streaks achieved a one-two-three sweep in the weight throw. Zach Safarski, Noah Schroeder, and Matthew Russo did the honors. Safarski led the pack with a top toss of sixteen point zero seven meters. Schroeder achieved a major PR with a heave of fourteen point eight zero meters, and Russo completed the sweep with a distance of fourteen point seven five. The Blue Streaks also won the five hundred meter at Baldwin Wallace. Tyler Gast, um, former JCU baseball player, in his first year running track here, has just totally bursted onto the scene. 
Um, Gast uh, won the event with a time of 1.08.28. Evan Pasat Evan Pasitani nipped his heels at, and he came in second at 106.66. Mike Shipman also won the day in the 1,000 meter. Uh, he had a PR of 235.34. That proved to be enough to win the event. Owen Roberts, also a freshman here, um, also impressed, shaving nearly six seconds from the last time he ran the event in late January, clocking in at a time of 2.41.56, which is good enough for fourth. And at the Spire Indoor Games, Bashir Al-Ramahi continued to show off his speed. Uh, the freshman finished with a time of 48.48 in the 400 meter, which beat Garrett Clark's uh, record from last year, though Clark, uh, that was not Clark's best mark, uh, 48.28. In doing so, uh, Aramahi finished first in the field, which was composed of largely D1 and D2 runners. Um, Aramahi, a track newbie, is indeed a budding star to watch here in the future for the streaks. And finally, Dominic Del Moro hit a PR in the 3,000 meter for the streaks. He finished fifth with a time of 8.40.24. And on the women's side, like you mentioned, Erica Esper uh, in Boston at the David Henry Valentine Invitational ran a time of 17, 17 minutes, 58 seconds, 5 in the 5K in Massachusetts. Um, also some streaks of the GVSU Big Meet, um, which was in Allendale, Michigan. Uh, Claire Eberhardt competed in the 800 meter along with Abby Schroff, competed in the mile for that. Um, then other streaks of the B- BW Mid-February Meet. Uh, Meredith Glavich tallied a PR in the pole vault, leaping to 3.25 meters. In doing so, she ended up winning the event. Um, Olivia Stefka also enjoyed a marvelous day. The sophomore had a PR in the triple jump, leaping to first with a mark of 10.35 meters. And then also Kelsey Dunn and Kara Jewett starred in the weight throw. Dunn dashed to second place with a mark of 14.33 meters. Jewett achieved a PR with a mark of 12.78 for fourth. Brooklyn Beckford also tallied a PR in the event. The freshman tossed a mark of 12.61 meters in the event, which was good enough for fifth. And Beckford also notched a distance of 10.64 in the shot put. Brianna Brule hit a PR with, of 11.21 in the weight throw as well. And then in the Spire Collegiate Indoor Games, only one, uh, or Ella Zambruno enjoyed a great day in her young career. She tallied a PR um, at Spire with 60 meters. Tailed a PR in the 60-meter with a time of 8.40 in the prelims. Zambruno achieved another personal best in the 200-meter with a time of 27.81. And in the long, long jump, she registered a jump of 4.71 meters, also at PR. So just a day of PRs for Ella Zambruno. And a great great weekend all around for streaks and track. And the Blue Streaks will have their last meets of the regular season before OAC Championships, which will take next take place next week already. Same weekend as basketball. They uh, will, they'll have a couple of runners at the uh, at Case Western for the Greater Cleveland College's invite. They'll also take some to Kent State for the Kent State tune-up. And the Alex Wilson Invitational, which will take place at Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. The Notre Dame in Indiana, not the one <laughs> in um, right uh, down, down Green Road in South Euclid. And uh, so the women's will be uh, same same places as well. And this, and the championships take place the same weekend as the men's as next week. So it's just it's right around the corner, which it kind of snuck up on us. I was talking yeah. with Kyle Basista and Jordan Door a couple weeks ago, and he says, "Wow, we're already just a couple weeks away from indoors." Yeah, yeah it snuck up on us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is that is uh, that is for sure. And I think part of that was just because 
got a little bit later of a start than normal. I mean, typically most of the team is running in December, but it just kind of depends on what Kyle Vasista wants. I think he wanted a little bit more rest with some of these guys that that have had injuries mm-hmm. through cross country and all that. So that's why most of the team, some some of the team was in December, mostly sprinters and, and all that. But most of the team with cross country and whatnot were started in, in later January, just a month out from from the OAC Championships. And uh, wrestling competed this weekend, but they just had the John Carroll Open. So there were wrestlers mm-hmm. there from uh, Ohio State, Kent State, other Division One schools. Remember, this is a, this is a competition where any wrestler can compete in from any school. It is an open, so um, it was you know no no team points. Just uh, just it does count for your individual record, and you can win a bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, but just more so, uh, more wrestlers from John Carroll that don't have as much experience. The younger guys were really the ones that competed here. Uh, this was uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. And then, of course, the, that was the last meet of the regular season. And uh, the, their regionals will actually take place next week as well, yeah. Saturday and Sunday, starting at 10 a.m. at Case Western Reserve. Um, and then tennis, uh, men's and women's tennis also competed this weekend. Uh, actually, I take that back. Men's just competed uh, against Walsh University back on February 4th. So they had a week off, hmm. and they're playing on Friday against Case Western uh, at the Mayfield Racket Club. Uh, and then women's, they competed this weekend, and they lost 7-2 to two to Worcester. And that was in uh, at the Latucci Tennis Center in Stowe, Ohio. And so just uh, that was actually the first two sets that the Blue Streaks had won this year as they lost 7-0 to Walsh earlier in the year. But that's the last meet for women's tennis until the Florida trip. Uh, that'll take place uh, the first week of March, starting March 5th. They play Winona State, Cedarville, Spring Arbor, which is an NAIA school yeah. in, from Michigan, St. Cloud State, Division II school in Minnesota, and Seton Hill University, which is in Pennsylvania. All of those will take place in Orlando, Florida as well. Coming up next, we have an interview with Maddie Panis and Aiden O'Neill from the John Carroll men's and women's swimming teams to preview the OAC championships this weekend. Don't want to miss this one, folks. Only on the Streak Center podcast. You're listening to Streak Center on jcusports.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at StreakCenterJCU to stay up to date on guests, episodes, and more. Now, let's get back to the show. And joining us now here on the Streak Center podcast are two senior swimmers here at John Carroll ahead of their OAC championship meet this weekend. Senior Maddie Panis on the women's swimming team and... Aiden O'Neill on the men's swimming team. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you uh, taking your time out of your busy schedules this week uh, to meet with us here on Streak Center. Oh, yeah, anytime. Yeah. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. I'm excited. <laughs> I want to know, uh, how has training been this week uh, This week for the uh, OEC Championships? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it one of those things where you guys are tapering off a little bit, not doing as much heavy, uh, heavy loads at practice, I assume? Uh, yeah, definitely for the past like two weeks. It's yeah. been a little lighter the first week. Um, it was still a little intense, but still coming down a little bit from our peak. Um, and then this past week, it's been pretty light, especially as someone uh, in the distance group, it's came down from what we've been doing a lot. 
Yeah, over on the sprint side of things, it's also come down significantly. Um, lots of less weight than usual um, that we're pulling down the pool, but yeah, everybody's definitely enjoying taper season. Yeah, you know, and this is something about swimming I want to know as well. Um, what is it uh, like about uh, like a typical practice session? I would say for you guys, I know it's different in the you know in taper than it is typically, but let's just say a typical practice, you know, with no taper. What's that typically like? Because I know you guys have different sessions that you can go to as well, but what what is a typical practice like? Uh, so, yeah, as someone in distance, we'll try to hit, like, really one group once a week. So, like, we'll hit 500 pace one day a week, um, and then another day we'll hit, like, 200 pace and mile pace. We'll have a day of, like, threshold, and we'll have a rest day. So it really depends on the day. Um, some days we'll have, like, seven, 8,000 yards. Some days we'll have three, 4,000 yards. Um, but it's, it's really, it's definitely based on the week and uh, the day of the week. Um, yeah, pretty similar thing in the other groups on the team. Um, the sprint group has a power day as well as a max speed day. So power day is going to be filling up buckets with weights and pulling them across the pool, whereas max speed is going to be um, trying to get your tempo as fast as it will be on race day. Now, what's some of the dry land activities that you guys do? That's out of the pool as well. That's a big part of the, the workouts and all that, right? Yeah, um, so for the first half of the year, really up until uh, training trip, we were lifting um, really no dry lands. And then after training trip, we kind of transition from lifting in, into the dry lands. Um, and it's a lot of like jump roping, pull-ups, push-ups, just that kind of thing. Okay. And also, uh, you know, speaking of the training trip that was in Florida this year, like it is every year, you know, seeing some sunshine uh, amidst uh, the uh, war or the cold weather up here in Northeast Ohio and, and other places. But, uh, you know, how was how was the Florida trip this year? You you, uh, you know, your guys' last one uh, here as seniors. And, uh, you know, how, how was it? And uh, what exactly do you guys do down there? Um, yeah, it was really fun this year. We were in Miami, Florida, training at Florida International University. Um, lots and lots of hard practices. We would swim twice a day and usually throw a dry land in there as well. Um, but I think that all three of the groups, so sprint, mid-distance, and distance, got some really good training in. Yeah, it's also, I think it's the highlight of my year. Every year for swimming, just being down in the sun, going to the beach with your teammates, there's not much better than that, so... The other thing, too, I want to know, um, and this is something you guys do before every meet, uh, you, you guys do this cheer, and it's awesome. You, the whole pool can hear it, and uh, I, I, it's it's one of my – honestly, it's one of my favorite things to hear uh, that any sports team does at, at JCU. So it, it's the same cheer I know you guys have been doing since freshman year. Do you guys know the background behind it? Who started this cheer? You know, who's, who wrote the lyrics, I guess, to it? Uh, I just it's – it's always awesome. Um, I don't know exactly how long it's been at the mm-hmm. school, but I know Jonah Vinos, he had a stepbrother go here. Mm-hmm. I think he Drew graduated Edson. in 2012, and I know that he did that ever since he came here. Mm-hmm. So it, it was at least since like 2009 or 2010, probably well before that. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yes. Drew Edson, of course, is... Jonah Venos's uh, stepbrother. He it was class of, I believe, actually thirteen uh, here at JCU, and he had a couple records. Uh, I think one or two of them before he graduated. But he is now the head swim coach at the University of Detroit Jesuit High School, my alma mater, uh, in the city of Detroit. So, and he's a gym teacher over there, health teacher as well, and doing great things. Second at, at states this past year. Now going up against uh, your Seahole Maples over there in D two. <laughs> in the state of Michigan as well, Aiden. Um, also, too, and 
you know that. So I'm assuming that cheer goes back to when Matt Lenhart was the coach back the, back then as well. But you, your freshman year, um, you know, you guys had uh, his successor Mark Fino as head coach, and then now transitioning to Tanner Barton uh, as head coach after your uh, beginning it with your sophomore year. Uh, how was? I just was curious. How was that transition early on? You know, you guys getting recruited by Mark Fino and his staff, and then um, you know now with now with Tanner Barton and his staff. Um, I think it was definitely a big transition. Mark and Tanner have different coaching philosophies, both very good, and I love them both. Um, But just that transition was a little bit different, I guess you could say. Um, It was also during the time of COVID and everything online, so that also made things a little bit more difficult. Um, We had gotten sent home and then found out that the coaches would be transitioning, um, so ended up having Zoom meetings and stuff like that when we were meeting Tanner for the first time. And uh, I want to ask you too, now guys, as uh, you guys as seniors, what is it that you guys have grown uh, how how is it that you guys have grown in your time here at John Carroll both uh, in and out of the pool that you would that you would say I, I just really think that the people here make it yeah. better and, and I don't know I just think it's the best team there is and I, I think that they help me grow by myself and I think we all help each other grow as a team as a whole um, yeah I, I just think the team has great values and we all love each other so yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Being here, both in and out of the pool, has made me realize how important those relationships are. Um, I've swam for the past 10, 15 years and always had kind of friends on the team, um, but nothing compared to here at John Carroll. And what was it that made you guys get into swimming at such a young age? Um, I don't know. I think it was kind of just my mom and dad throwing me in the pool <laughs> oh, okay. hoping I could swim and then um, kind of just turned into something that I grew to love. I, I didn't really love it when I was a younger kid until high school, and then I started to get a real appreciation for the sport um, and everything that comes with it. So now they didn't literally throw you in the pool, right? Okay, <laughs> just, just making sure. <laughs> How about you, Maddie? Um, yeah, kind of similar. I started off in swim lessons and then kind of just never stopped. Um, my parents weren't swimmers or anything like that, so the whole swim meet world was very new to them. Um, but as I kept on progressing, they kind of learned the ways of everything. Talking with Aiden O'Neill and Maddie Panis, both members of the women's or men's and women's swimming team here at John Carroll. Uh, I want to talk to you, Aiden, specifically. Uh, you, are, of course, are uh, more of an endurance swimmer. You've got the best time right now in the OAC in both the 500 and 200 freestyle um, what is it about endurance swimming? Uh, how do you build that endurance uh, in the sport? Um, it kind of just comes with the training that you do throughout the year, um, really. But I, I don't really know how to explain it. I'm definitely more of a back half swimmer, um, even in the 200 and 500 itself. Um, like I'll, I normally won't be first after the first 100 of the 200 or 500, for example. Um, I kind of just like coming back in that second half of every race um, pretty strong. I just think if I take it out fast, then I'll end up dying. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I know uh, at OECs, you've cut time in, in you know every every individual event of yours since freshman year as well. Um, you know what what is it that's allowed you to do that uh, has allowed you to cut this time? Because you know not every swimmer has you know that that success like you have. Yeah, I, I think just really with the training that we put um, in throughout the course of the season. It really pays off during taper. 
Um, I think a lot of people, especially in the lightning or distance group, um, we just put in so much work and so many yards that by the time we get the taper, we feel so rested um, and just so strong in the pool that it feels almost like nothing um, and that we're pulling nothing. So, How was it that you ended up coming to John Carroll from Seaholm High School in Birmingham, Michigan, outside of Detroit? Uh, yeah, so it's pretty interesting. Um, Matt Peach, who yep. goes to Brother Rice, which is about a mile from my high school, we all or we swam together over the summer. And he committed to John Carroll for swimming, and I was kind of interested in swimming at that time in college. So I kind of just I emailed Mark Fino um, and got in contact with him. And then at the same time, Liam and Jake, who are also seniors, kind of got in contact with uh, Mark. And it kind of just all went from there. You know, I, I didn't I actually didn't visit until after states of my senior year. So it was like late March of uh, 2019. And I, I just loved it so much. I, I think I committed two weeks after that. And what do you think the biggest difference is between high school swimming and college swimming, besides just faster times overall? What do you think it was for you? I mean, I, I really think it's, I think it's the size of the team and swimming with the girls as well. Because in Michigan, high school swimming, it's really... It's only, different seasons. Yeah, it's, yeah. The guys and girls have different seasons, so it's just the men and just the girls. Um, but I, but I definitely really enjoy swimming with the girls as well. Just add, adds a new dynamic to uh, practices and meets, and give, gives us other people to cheer for as well. It's really fun. And you talked about Brother Rice High School right down the street from your house as well. And uh, there's a couple seniors on this team from Brother Rice: Jonah Venos, uh, Liam McDonald, Jake Farr. Eight seniors total yes including yourself uh, of course jonah liam jonathan samos nick mudry joe kaiser and michael heller are the other ones as well you know having all those fellow seniors uh, on the team and, and just being such a senior laden team this year um you know what what is it that having all that leadership and experience what is it that that uh, how does it bring that to the table this year for oacs yeah, I, I think it'll really help us at OACs um, in the long run. Just I, I think having that experience there on that pool deck, being able to lead the underclassmen throughout the meet, um, it helps a lot. I remember being an underclassman and the juniors and seniors helping me throughout the meet whenever I was nervous. Anything along those lines, they were always there for me. And I think having so many seniors um, on the team this year uh, can really help the underclassmen. And your brother, Owen, is also on the team. He's a freshman this yeah. year. Guys both went to Seaholm High School. Uh, what's it like having Owen back on your team, first time uh, since high school? Yeah, it, it's awesome. I mean, we, we always swam together over the summer, but we only got one year in high school together. Um, so when he announced he was coming to John Carroll, I was super excited. Um, there's just nothing like having your brother on the team and be able to work with him and just see him every day. Um, it's great. And I want to ask you about one swimmer in particular. I know I touched on some of the seniors earlier. Uh, you know, you, like, honestly, Jonah and uh, Liam, I mean, in terms of, like, a, his, like accomplishments, two of the most accomplished swimmers really in John Carroll history. Uh, but then you have a uh, you have a freshman that's that's do, doing really well as well, Joe Nadir uh, from just outside Columbus. I believe went to the same high school as, as Tan Coach Tanner. Uh, what's what's it been like seeing him improve this season? And, uh, you know, he's been a real asset, uh, especially, you know, for the future, future yeah. streaks. Yeah, for sure. He's he's definitely a big asset, um, especially in those dual meets. He can really 
just rip a swim whenever he needs to. He's very clutch um, in those moments. Um, I'm super excited. He'll be on uh, one of the relays this weekend, um, actually with three other seniors, including myself. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> Is that the um, 800, 800 free? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he'll be on the 8 free relay tomorrow. Um, so I'm really excited to see how he does in that. And of course, for any of the listening audience out there, the 800 free relay is taking place for the second year in a row on Wednesday. So it's just going to be one race, the men's and then the women's, and then uh, all the other events will, will take place Thursday through Saturday. So just one one event on, on Wednesday, that 800 free relay. Maddie, I want to ask you uh, as well, uh, as some, same question I had uh, Aiden answer earlier, how was it that you uh, got to John Carroll early on? Um, there is randomly a huge buffalo presence in mm-hmm. John Carroll. Don't know the story behind that one, but um, <laughs> I think so, I have a theory. Yeah. But go on. So yeah, I had heard the name John Carroll. It was in the back of my head when I was kind of starting the college search, uh, and then w- when it came time to look at different schools for swimming, um, the name popped up once again, and I had actually known. Uh, two other swimmers that had committed here to John Carroll for swimming. Um, So I remember seeing them at club meets and kind of talking about our recruit trips and comparing stories, and we all just ended up coming here. And Maddie, you got the best time in the 100 backstroke in the OAC uh, this year so far. You won that event back uh, during your freshman year as well. What is it that makes a good backstroker? I feel like, I mean, breaststroke's really hard. I feel like a back, backstroke can be a tough stroke as well. Uh, yeah, and I wasn't a backstroker until I came to college, wow. so it was kind of a interesting transition to the backstroke world. But uh, I think that you definitely just have to remember to keep your tempo up and use your legs. I've been working with Coach Tanner and Coach Ian um, on my underwaters off of all the walls, and it's been something that they tell me every single day at practice to work on, but I think it's definitely going to pay off in the 100 backstroke this year. Now, was that your decision to switch to backstroke, or was that a coach's decision early on? A little bit of both. Originally, it was a coach's decision to just put me in and see how it worked, and it ended up working, and I liked it. So I've stuck with it since then. Is there anything that you learned uh, when you were a freshman, uh, anything that you learned from the older swimmers um, you know, that you carry on to, to your leadership now as a senior? Yeah, I remember freshman year, the seniors just emphasizing how important the culture on the team was. Mm-hmm. Um, they would say that swimming fast is great, and we also want to do that, but you have to remember to keep the culture as it is um and i know i've talked to the other senior girls and one of our goals throughout the past four years but especially this year has has been to leave the team better than we found it um so we've really been trying to emphasize that with the underclassmen to kind of um keep carrying that on i want to ask you about the four freshmen uh, as well. I mean, they, they've been outstanding this year. Olivia Goodman, Marin Dalziel, Mary Hoffman, and Lauren uh, Koppelman. You know, how how cool is it to see those four swimmers really shining? I mean, I, I could see a real, real breakout performance from, from all four of them at OACs this weekend. And like, how cool has it been to see their, their growth really throughout the, the entire year? Yeah, it's been really, really, really cool to see. <laughs> um, they definitely remind me a lot of our class, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, but there's definitely some of those similarities but i'm excited to see what they do this weekend i've seen all four of them put in so much work this entire season um so i know that it's all gonna pay off in these next few days and honestly like especially marin um 
I really feel like she reminds me a lot of Gwen Ledrick. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, a tall swimmer, really strong as well. And um, it's just, I'm I'm just as excited uh, as you guys to see how well they, they do uh, as well. Now, I know... Uh, you know, for both you guys, of course, being seniors, that uh, the OAC honors uh, each senior at a senior recognition day uh, and on the last day of OACs. Um, and it's just, I think that's really unique because not you guys are the only sport. Swimming is the only sport that does some sort of re- senior recognition like that. You guys, of course, are always cheering everyone on at these meets as well. I, I just want to know, swimming, there's just so much camaraderie in it. You know, what is it about swimming that makes it s- such a sport like that? I don't know. I, I I definitely think part of it is that we all have a shared, like, we all stare at the bottom of the pool for an hour and a half, two hours a day. So, so we, we all kind of understand each other in that sense. Um, I think it's crazy that we swim in the first place, so I think all swimmers are crazy and we relate in that sense. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty friendly between all the teams in the OAC. It's always good to talk to all the other teams at, uh, at the meets. And uh, any future plans for you guys after you graduate from JCU? Um, I'll probably be here doing a fifth year next year and getting my MBA. Very nice. Um, yeah, I'm looking to start working after graduation and then either next year or the year after go back to school for biostatistics. Wow. Okay, because yeah. you're a, what's your major again, Maddie? I'm a data science data major. Data science, that's it. Wow. Okay, doing doing some doing some big things, both uh, both Aiden and Maddie. And last question for both you guys: You guys are going for seven straight OAC championships as a team, uh, starting with Mark Fino back in 2017. Now continuing on, of course, uh, with Tanner Barton. So for both you guys, both the men's and women's teams, what's it going to take to defend this crown? I mean, I know uh, Mount Union and Ohio Northern—they always have some decent swimmers, but um, you know, you guys always seem to really. Uh, you know, key it up for for OACs, but what's it going to take uh, to fend those those teams off this year? Um, I think we're definitely going to have to use every bit of training that we've put in throughout the entire season. Um, we've put in the time and the work. We just have to kind of see it through now. Uh, and second would be to just keep the energy high. That's one thing that I love about our team is we always have really high, if not the highest, energy on that pool deck, and I think it definitely helps us. Yeah, I, I want to say perseverance. Um, I think it's big, especially throughout what is now a four-day meet. Um, it, it's hard to be able to swim in the morning, swim right. at night, and do that for three days. Um, but yeah, like Maddie said, I, I think the energy, it's its its easier to swim faster when you've got a lot of people cheering for you and behind your back. Um, so that's definitely also a big thing. And swimming loose. I think that's yeah. that's something that actually is is uh, really relevant in, in swimming with, with all that. And uh, that's I think that's part of the reason why you guys have all that energy out there. Just making sure you just <laughs> forget about all that other stuff. You know, all the distractions, yep. all that. Just just swim fast. Just swim your best. You know, and that's something I've always I've always liked about swimming. The energy and all that. Uh, that is for sure. Maddie Panis and Aiden O'Neill, both seniors here on the men's and women's swimming teams ahead of their OAC championships this weekend. Guys, thank you so much uh, for joining me here on Streak Center, and best of luck this weekend. Hopefully, hopefully we get some seven, seven straight championships and, and another banner at oh, the yeah. Johnson yeah, Auditorium. That's the plan. <laughs> Thanks for having us, Noah. Thank you. You're listening to Streak Center on jcusports.com. For the latest news on all things JCU Sports, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at JCU Sports or visit jcusports.com. Now, let's get back to the show.
And a big thank you to Maddie and Aiden for coming on the Streak Center podcast, both making their Streak Center podcast debuts as seniors here at JCU. It's going to be a really fun weekend, guys. And, and I'm really hoping that if, if you listen to this podcast, you're able to at least come out for one day of this. Prelims will start at 10 a.m. on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then the final event uh, will take place at, in the evening. Thursday, will uh, the final events will take place at 6.30. And then Friday, it'll start at 6. And then Saturday at 5.45 with a senior recognition event starting at 5.30. And then Wednesday will be just one event. It'll be the men's and women's 800 freestyle relays. Aiden, of course, will be on the 8 free relay team for the fourth consecutive year. And just a couple of other, of other swimmers to look out for, for for John Carroll. Lee McDonald, who was the 2021 OAC Swimmer of the Year, he is back. And he has won every single event that he's ever competed in at OACs except for the 100 fly in uh, his freshman year. He got third place. So even that – oh, and second in the 100 back – his freshman year as well. So, but every event he's ever competed in, he's at least gotten all OAC, which is which is extremely impressive. They're one of the most accomplished swimmers in John Carroll history, a multiple-time All-American as well. And Jonah Vanos from Brother Rice, both from Brother Rice High School, all-boys school up in the Detroit area. He was OAC Swimmer of the Year last year. He set, he helped set three OAC records four OAC records at, at the meet last year in the 400 medley relay, 200 medley relay, the 800 free relay, which Aiden O'Neill is a part of. And in the 200 breaststroke, that is really the event that he shines in is, is, is the breaststroke. Very strong swimmer. Jonah is, he was a transfer from the university of Cincinnati. He was on their swim program for the first semester of his freshman year. And then joined the blue streaks during his second semester of freshman year. And just really, really shined from that point forward. And on the women's side, I mentioned the freshmen that I think are going to have really, really good meets. I think that's going to be Olivia Goodman, Marin Dalziel, Lauren Koppelman, and Mary Hoffman. And But I don't forget about these seniors either. Rachel Lubchuk has been a real strong swimmer, fourth in the 100 fly and sixth in the 200 fly last year. Real senior leader like Maddie Panis is. And always see swimmer of the year from last year, Gwyneth Hamilton, who won each of her events Last year, first she's the fastest swimmer in the OAC, and she got first place in the 50, 50 free last year. Also, first in the two hundred free, and then first in in the hundred the hundred free, and all the other relays as well. And she she was a swimmer that did not score at all her freshman year. So seeing the improvement that that Gwyneth Hamilton has had throughout the years, uh, really impressive to see. Ashley Lynch, another really strong swimmer, really fast swimmer that the Blue Streaks have senior. Uh, from West Mifflin, Pennsylvania, and uh, you know she's been she's been re- a real contributor since her freshman year in 2020, as well. And Oren Spence, the kind of the long distance swimmer for the Blue Streaks, uh, got all OAC honors in the 500 free last year, and sixth in the 400 IM, a, a really strong race uh, as well. And don't forget about the divers either. Two time diver of the year in the OAC, Catherine Steinwatz is back for her senior year. Catherine Visco. It was also all OAC and Sarah Hanlon, uh, all three of them, all OAC divers from the past. So I know Coach Lewis Fellinger in his now 26th season as head diving coach here at John Carroll, longest tenured assistant of any assistant coach at John Carroll currently. So it's going to be a really exciting, exciting weekend uh, for the Blue Streaks in store. And uh, Coach Tanner Barton going for six for six. He's going for he's going for six championships of course three on the men's side 
and three on the women's side as well. So hopefully uh, you folks are able to join us uh, for that. We will be streaming myself and Oliver Wenzel will be providing streaming content each day. So Wednesday through Saturday, uh, you can check that out at jcusports.com. Also, OAC TV, which is uh, on uh, any smart TV, you can get that and uh, and load any game, any sporting event in the OAC for any sport. So uh, that's a really useful app that I just actually got last week on my on my uh, on my TV, and I've been watching some some other games, uh, some past games for basketball and all that as well. But yes, swimming will be available on that, and I know that there will be some some live times that you can get. Um, you know, through HTML stats, uh, Ohio Northern is hosting this year. So their website uh, will have all of the information that you need uh, for that. And check, check jcsports.com for all, all other updates with the sporting events this weekend. Follow us on Twitter at Street Center JCU. Follow JCU Sports at JCU Sports on Twitter and, uh, and all that for live stream links and live stat links as well. Thank you again, folks, for tuning in to this week's edition of Streak Center and join us next week for a special OAC Championship edition for basketball, wrestling, and indoor track as well. Thanks again, folks. Only on the Streak Center Podcast.